Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am O'Brien McMahon, and this is People Business. Every business is in some way a people business. From Silicon Valley to the restaurant down the street, every business relies on groups of people working together toward a common cause. That's no easy task. While the world around us has evolved into a high-tech, interdependent matrix, our individual software is largely the same as it was 10,000 years ago. We are social, emotional animals balancing a need to fit in with a desire to stand out. Bring us together in large groups, put money on the line, and anything could happen. This is a show where current and aspiring business leaders can understand the people dynamics at play in their organizations and learn skills and techniques to improve their chances of long-term business success. This week, I'm speaking with Aaron Levy, founder and CEO of Raise the Bar, about leading in tough times. Aaron sees a future where work doesn't suck, where work is both challenging and fulfilling, where your manager is your coach where he or she is the person who helps unlock your full potential. Aaron founded Raise the Bar and wrote the best-selling book, Open, Honest, and Direct, A Guide to Unlocking Your Team's Potential, to create this future and empower managers with tools, skills, and training to be better leaders of people. Aaron is also the host of the Open, Honest, and Direct podcast, the co-director of Startup Grind Chicago, a Thrive Global contributor, an 1871 mentor, an ICF certified coach, and a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Aaron is an expert in all things leadership. Uh, we talked about broad general leadership as well as getting into the specifics of how to lead through tough times, specifically the tough times that we're finding ourselves in right now here in 2020. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Without further ado, here is Aaron Levy. So we'll go live in three, two, one, and we're live. So I'm here with Aaron Levy from Raise the Bar, and we are today going to talk about leadership, leading in tough times, how to step up as a leader, how to help others step up as a leader, uh, really kind of everything having to do with leadership, uh, everything we can cram into uh, at least the next 30 or 40 minutes here. So Aaron, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be on here, O'Brien. Yeah. So uh, I was thinking about where to start this, and there's so much... I know that, that you think about leadership because this is what you do all the time. I read a lot about leadership, um, but it just occurred to me, like, why are we all so fascinated with leadership? Um, because the person that leads you and manages you is the person that has the biggest impact on how you interact with work and life on a daily basis. Um, in a lot of ways, it's something that when there are these great leaders or these dynamic leaders, we look up to and they're admirable. Um, and so it creates this image of, of what leadership is, whether that's true or not, right? We look, you can look at Steve Jobs or you can look at FDR or you can look at, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln, right? These are just examples of like great leaders in time or Napoleon. Um, and they're figures that we remember. And so leadership is one of those things where it's how you influence and motivate and engage and impact dozens to hundreds to thousands of people. Um, it just, it, it can have such a powerful impact. I think that's what gets people enamored with it. So I think you said it there, which is, you know, there's, there's power to leadership, right? 
And I think we're all enamored in some way or another with power. Um, mm -hmm. And we feel like if we can be a leader in some way, then we can get that power. We can get that notoriety. And like, you know, everybody wants to be important. Everybody has that need to be important. And so I, I think that that's one of the reasons at least that everybody is so infatuated with leadership, but is leadership, the, the next question of that is, is leadership as sexy as we all think it is? Oh, oh God, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. And more no. Um, it is a practice and like any practice, it takes, um, effort, energy, and work to be really good at it. Um, and if you're not, it's really stressful. It's overwhelming. It's mentally and emotionally taxing. By the way, it's all those things, even if you are really good at leading, um, because I tell this to leaders on a daily basis, we're constantly trying to figure out our own personal life and our own emotions and our own motivations and, and why we're doing what we're doing. And, and we have the ups and downs of, of even in good times, we have ups and you know, good days, bad days, bad moments, good moments. Um, now multiply that by a group of people and imagine trying to lead them towards a common goal or what you think is a common goal, but isn't a common goal. And so there's so much messiness that gets in the way of all of that, that just the, like the human element of leading people is very tiring and taxing. Um, and it takes work. So, you know, you hear people, oh, well, he's a born leader. Oh, he's natural. Are there such thing as born leaders or is it purely a skill that has to be developed and honed? Uh, yeah, there are born leaders. Um, I think Gallup has like a state of the American manager report. And it's like one in 10 uh, naturally have the tools and skills to lead people. Um, so yeah, one in 10 people that are put into leadership management roles, let's say management, managing other people where um, it, it, management and leadership aren't the same thing, but it, management gives you a potential platform to lead through. Um, so one in 10 managers have the skills. What we find is that most all leaders need to build those skills and right. The other nine out of 10 have that opportunity. The, the only difference is, are you willing to do the work to develop the skills? Are you willing to do the work to be the best leader uh, you can be? And if you are, the skills are totally within your realm of development, totally within your realm of, of adapting and adjusting and building them. Um, so yes, there are some natural born leaders, but just because you're, you might not naturally have the skills or tools doesn't mean you're not a leader. doesn't mean you shouldn't be a leader. What, what means you shouldn't be a leader is if you don't want to lead people, um, is if it doesn't excite you, it doesn't give you energy. Um, if giving you energy you get from just doing the work yourself, um, and not seeing others succeed in that same way, then leadership probably isn't for you. That's interesting. So what you're saying is everybody has the potential to be a leader. It, it really just comes down to whether you want to be a leader yourself, whether you want to step up into that type of a role. Yeah. And, and it takes a real look at yourself because the way in which our, the business landscape is and the way in which hierarchies and businesses work is in order to grow within the business, you need to start to manage people and move up the hierarchy. Um, what we work on with companies is we help them think about it a little bit different is to say, you can grow within the company without actually managing people. You can be a high level account executive or a, you know, a CRO, a chief revenue officer, and you're just doing strategy and you're doing that, but you're not actually man. You don't need to manage everybody. 
Um, so you can get to the highest levels of the business without managing people, but you still need someone to manage the sales team or the marketing team. And so what we tell people is if you just want to focus on doing the work, then be really clear on that versus I want to, I want to take on this management role cause that's the next step in my career. Um, it's much more important to identify, I want to do this. And if you want to do it, I promise you, you're going to build the skills. Like I said earlier, it takes effort and energy um, and doing the work. And that's totally doable. Um, and that, I mean, that's the focus of all that we do at Raise the Bar is we focus on helping leaders build those skills. And the single biggest factor we find is, does the person want to do it or not? If they want to do it, they're going to succeed. If they don't want to do it, they're not going to succeed. Interesting. So how do you help somebody get, how do you help somebody figure that out? I remember listening to, I think it was an interview with maybe Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, and he was saying the biggest mistake that most people make is they don't want to be the alpha. They don't want to be, they really at their heart of hearts don't want to be that top, top leader. What they really want to be is a great support person or a great strategy person or a really great individual contributor but every, we see leaders and we put them on this pedestal and we think if we want to be successful, if we want to be powerful and get where we want to go, we have to be that. We have to be that leader. We have to be the alpha that's in charge. But if we would just accept that that's not necessarily who we are as individuals, we'd actually be much more successful. We'd be much more powerful and we'd have a lot more fun building out our lives and our careers. So how do you, how do you help people make that decision or come to that realization of, yeah, no, I don't need to be the CEO. I really want to be a contributor in this other way. Yeah. One thing I'll say to the first point and then I'm going to get to that is you don't actually need to be the alpha to, to lead people well and to have fun and to be your best self. Um, there is no right type of leader. Right, the one who measures three times and cuts once, the lot, the one who's loud and brash, the one who's um, quiet and calculated, an extrovert, an introvert. The best type of leader you can be is one who is authentic, vulnerable, and has humility. And that just means taking off the mask of I need to have all the answers, I need to be right, and allowing yourself to be you. Um, and that's what we help leaders do in all realms, and, and we really work through because once you're able to do that, leadership becomes a lot more fun and a lot less pressure because you show up and you get to be yourself. Your, your other question was, how do we get people to figure out if leadership's right for them? I think the, the couple of ways you can see is when interacting with others and seeing others succeed and grow and develop or learn something or try something, right? Whether you're mentoring someone, whether you're onboarding someone, whether you're doing a project and showing someone how to use something in Excel. And that just, that gives you energy. If that stuff gives you energy, if working with other people and seeing them succeed gives you energy, there's a decent chance, a pretty good chance that you like leading people. You like, because all leading people is, is helping them show up and be their best. Leading people in the, in the, purest sense is how do you help? How do I help the people on my team do their best work and unlock their full potential? Because if I help Heather unlock her full potential and Tina unlock her full potential and Cheer unlock her full potential, you know what? They're going to be killing it for our team and we're all going to win. It's not about how do I make sure they do this, this, and this. So that you said earlier, 
there's a difference between leaders and managers, and sometimes they can be the same, but sometimes they can be different. How do you think about those two terms? Uh, there are task managers, but there are no task leaders. Interesting. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah. So when we think about a manager, um, a manager is the person who manages the development, the production, the work for somebody else, right? I manage you. I man I'm responsible for your development, your work, your production, right? That means performance conversations and performance reviews and making sure you hit your goals and objectives, right? At the basic sense, that's what a manager is responsible for. Now, does that mean that that's how you need to approach it is let me just look at this list of tasks and hold them accountable to their tasks. A leader is someone who helps people unlock their full potential. Inherent in that is helping you work on your development issues, helping you make sure you hit your goals and objectives and supporting you to do that, challenging you when you're not, holding you accountable when, you're, when you say you're going to do something and not. But it, it's from a, just a different lens and a perspective of thinking about how do I help this person be their best versus how do I get this person to do what I need them to do for me? Gotcha. So it sounds leadership, the way you're defining it, sounds almost the same as coach or mentor. Yeah. Do you, do you view them as the same or do you view them as different? Um, it's a great question. I see the picture of a world where managers are your coaches, where they're the people that help you reach your potential um, and in turn help the business reach its potential. I think that's where we're missing right now in the world of work. Um, that's why I founded Raise the Bar. That's why I wrote Open, Honest, and Direct. That's why I host uh, you know, my podcast, the Open, Honest, and Direct podcast. All of that is to move us closer to a world where managers are coaches. Because I believe when managers are coaches, performance only improves and people's lives improve. Sounds like a nice world to me. Uh, but you know, I love that stuff too. So, uh, the reason I, there's a reason I brought you on here, which is I, I love this stuff and believe in it too. So you, you talk about that. Oh, I just had a question and it, it slipped my mind. Um, oh, I remember what it was. So when you're, we're talking right now about really working and coaching the individuals that report up to you. But what if you're a higher leader than that? Like, you know, what if you're, what if you are the CEO or what if you are the division head and you have a larger team than you could possibly touch, right? Like what, what if everybody in the company is, is technically your team? How do you, how do you lead effectively or what are the skills that you need when you can't touch everybody? Uh, the secret is the same skills. Um, the same skills for a first time manager are needed for a CEO. Um, during this crisis, I've been having conversations with CEOs and first-time managers. I've been seeing how they've been dealing with the crisis. What are they, what are they needing? What are they coming to? What is their team needing? Um, and the truth is that all great leaders provide three things for their people. Clarity on where we're going, what are we doing, and how are we, like, we going to get there? So you could think about that as vision, mission, and values. Um, from a CEO perspective, from a team perspective, you can think about that as goals, team agreements, expectations, context, why, why are we going there? And it's like, why should I be following you on this trek through the mountains? And then the third is if, if I have a good reason, I know where we're going 
do I feel safe getting there with you? Do I feel safe going through the mountains with you? If you say, yeah, I've done this, or I know how to do this, or I don't know how to do this, but I, I know I'm going to figure it out and we're going to be safe together. Great. And, and so safety is, is key too. And what you'll find through this crisis, it just highlights the importance of the, the, these three things that managers and leaders are always responsible for. Now, as you move up within the organization, the stakes are higher because if you don't provide clarity to your executive team, then I promise you 500 or 10,000 people down the line, those issues are not just small little, you know, we need to clarify this. They're big rifts and they're oceans and they bring despondence, lack of motivation, lack of engagement, turnover. And you're like, how does that happen? It's just as you get from layer to layer to layer, the, the, the issue that you have just expounds itself throughout the whole organization. So the stakes are much higher if you're not delivering clarity or context or safety to your immediate team, because then that's how it's going to, it's going to cascade on down. O'Brien, if I'm your, you know, if I'm your CEO and you're the, you know, you're the chief revenue officer and you're not clear on what we're doing or why we're doing something. And then your people ask you and you can't be clear because I haven't been clear with you. And then they're going to be less clear. Right. And then that's where stories create. That's where problems create. Um, it's, it's not for lack of goodwill or good intention. Um, it's just what happens if you don't bring clarity, context and psychological safety. So totally understand the first two there, right. With, with clarity and with context, the safety part. So we're in a tough situation right now with, the coronavirus, COVID-19, basically shutting the entire world down to some extent. There's not a whole lot, there are, there's not a whole lot of safety for a lot of industries, right? There are a lot of people that are out there really vulnerable right now and they don't feel safe. And so how do you provide safety or the, the sense of safety in a tough time like this? Or is it, does it have a little different meaning than maybe most people think when they think safety? Yeah. It, it, safety, when we talk about that, and I should clarify, is psychological safety. It's the feeling that I can speak up, I can ask a question or share a thought without being humiliated or made fun of. Um, I can bring a problem to you without you yelling at me and being like, what the hell are you doing, Aaron? Right? And, and without that, without that ability to feel like we can speak up and talk and show up as ourselves, it slows people down. It makes you say, can I send that email? Do I ask that question? Is this okay? Is this appropriate? And we do this unknowingly in the workplace all the time. And what it does is it slows us down, right? It slows down innovation. It slows down creativity. It slows down our ability. It's like you're walking through a, a field of landmines and you're not sure which, you know, what, which landmine you're going to step on next. So instead of doing that, you don't move at all, right? But you need to get, you need to move forward. So you, you crawl, right? You do it very slowly where if you don't have any of those landmines, if you clear those landmines by creating safety, people can just run and bump into each other and understand that they bumped into each other, not because they're trying to hurt each other, but because they're both moving forward together in the best way that they thought. And they have to figure things out together. And so when we talk about safety, it's psychological safety. It's not safety for your job. It's not safety that you're not going to get hit by a bus tomorrow. Um, it's safety that we can communicate and operate together in trust with one another. Thank you. I think that's an important clarification too. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. it's, it's very critical. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about the crisis going on right now. How are you seeing leaders respond? Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I see it all over the 
all over the board. Um, I see some who at the start were kind of hopeful that this wouldn't be as bad. Um, hopeful that, you know, sales would come back or X, Y, and Z would happen. Um, I saw others right away um, go straight into disaster planning, right? And, and look at, okay, what is, what's our financial forecast? What is our projected, um, you know, accounts receivable, right? What are, what's our projected money coming in? Um, and what's our runway given all those projections, given, you know, less projected sales, less money coming in, even that we have coming in, you know, what are, what's the worst case scenario and how do we plan around that? So the people that I, that I've seen be super successful, um, in delivering and in supporting their teams are the people that did disaster planning as early as they could and use that to then make a decision to say, Hey, we can survive once we've done all these cuts. And that might be cuts of people. That's definitely cuts of budget. Um, and say, this is our core team that can survive for the next three months, six months, 18 months, whatever that number is that you feel comfortable for your team. Um, and they've done that. And then what they've done is they shared that with their team and they gave them clarity on what we did. They shared why we did it. And they gave them the safety, the psychological safety to say, hey, this is where we are. We're in this together. And now we need to continue to communicate with each other back and forth and reinvent the way we do work. And when they did those things, it doesn't mean you have all the answers. It just means that as a leader, you have to sometimes make a decision and create clarity for yourself or clarity for somebody else. And that's part of what, like what being a founder um, is, is like you make decisions and you don't necessarily know if what you're doing is right. I could tell you, uh, uh, you know, most of days when, when I make big strategic decisions, there's no, uh, there's no list of things say right decision, wrong decision. Uh, Cause every business is uniquely different. So you just, you have to, make the best educated decision you can with the information you have available. And also let people know that this isn't like, this isn't the, this might not be everything that we need to do. We might have to adapt, adjust again, but here's why we made the decision. Here's the decision we made. Here's the impact it's going to have. Here's how we plan to move forward. Is there an area that you see people getting it wrong more often than not? So when, when people are not reacting the right way, is it, is there commonality there at all? They're not communicating enough. So right now there is so much, as you said, so much uncertainty on all levels, right? I don't know what's going to happen in the markets in the next three, six, 12, 18 months. No one does. Um, I mean, that, that we could say that at any time at any period in, in the world. Um, but especially now we really don't know, but people also don't know if their job's going to be safe. They don't know what's going to happen with a business. There's just so many uncertainties. And lack of certainty or lack of clarity can create angst and fear. And that is not a place that people operate well within um, on a consistent basis on top of right their home and everything's changed, right? That the, the certainty that they had even in their work life and home life is different, right? Not only do I, am I worried about my job? I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to work today, right? Is my dog at the door uh, scratching? Where's my wife? Like what's going on? Cause the, the work has changed. And when we don't share what we're thinking about at the highest level and we don't communicate what's going on, we don't acknowledge what's going on, what we do is we then let that mind that I just shared with you, kind of like all those questions, take over. Yeah, we start telling ourselves our own story, right? If we, I found that with uh, our organization a couple of years ago, we went through a little bit of a transition and it took 
it took a little bit to start getting the communications out there on where we were going and why, you know, you know building the, um, the clarity and the context. And what you found was that these stories would start to pop up all over the place that were totally inaccurate. And you'd say, where the hell did that come from? Like, how did, how did you get from A to Z and make all of those connections? Like, that's not what's happening here. And you, you had to go back and clean. We wound up having to go back and clean up a decent amount of that uh, because we weren't out communicating, filling that void with our own communications, right? That, that void will be filled up with something. It's a matter of, is it going to be your message and your direction or is it going to be somebody else's? And it doesn't have to be a good, polished, this is the, yeah, everything's rosy and good story. You actually don't want to wait till that point. You want to be sharing the story of, hey, we don't know what's happening right now. We're doing our best to go through and, and model financially what, you know, how we're adapting to this situation. And we're going to keep everybody in the loop as, you know, as we know things. Or we submitted the PPP and we're looking at other loans and we're working on that stuff. And it's very much up in the air. We will continue to give you, you know, give you updates and share what's going on. Now, every company does that different. Um, I'm just one who leads with a lot of transparency because I've seen the ability to squash stories. And when you do that and when you're vulnerable, people then uh, come to you and ask, how can we help? How can we support? How can we be part of this? Um, they see you, as, they see themselves as part of the team and the company, as opposed to uh, you're the person that runs the company and they're just working for you. Which probably has to do with the psychological safety, right? They feel like they can have a voice and like they can have an impact. Mm -hmm. And they, I mean, if you look at it, they do. They're the, you hire them to have an impact. Yeah. Well, and I don't know the statistics, but you read countless stories of organizations that change that culture and suddenly some of their best ideas and innovation came from the frontline people. Yeah. And that's especially true in times of crisis too, when you need creative ideas. It's no, I mean, it's, I think that this, the stats that I've been seeing lately um, are, you know, a great manager accounts for 48% more profit and 27% more revenue for their team compared to an average manager. And so when you look at this, you're like, how, how 50, like nearly 50% more profit. I don't get it. How does that work? Well, it's because of what you just said, a great manager is someone who is creating psychological safety, clarity, and context, allowing their people to do what they were hired to do best. And when you do that, performance follows. Yeah. So what happens if a leader is not doing that in a time like this, right? So I've heard stories, I was talking to somebody the other day, they said that one of the leaders of a division of their organization for years has been saying, oh, you know, this person isn't performing, that person is, un is an underperformer and kind of complaining about some of the people on their team. Now this happens and they're looking at ways to tighten their belt and they're looking at potentially cutting some of the people from that person's division. And the person's saying, oh, no, everybody's invaluable. We need all of these people. We can't cut anybody. And so you have them on the one hand, when times are good, not being a good leader because they're undermining their own team. And when times are bad, they're not stepping up and doing the right thing for the larger good of the organization. How do you, I guess you could think about this a couple different ways, but how do you help leaders step up in a time like this? And it might be different if it's a leader who's 
beneath you, right? Who you can, you can work with and coach, or if it's maybe one of your peers or even a boss where you're saying, man, my leader's not being effective right now. Yeah. It depends on, it really depends on where you're at within the organization, your ability to impact and influence change in that way. Right. As an, as an outside person, when I come in, I just say, if you have leaders who aren't performing, do they know they're not performing? Are you clear with them on what they're doing well and not doing well? Are you clear with them on your expectations? And do you let them know when they're not hitting expectations when they are? Uh, that's the first place to go. I was, I was talking to a CEO yesterday and I said to her, are you clear with your president on that he's not hitting expectations? Does he know what's expected of him in his role? No. Okay. Well, let's not go to any other issues with that person. Let's not talk about top performers, underperformance. That's the issue. If you solve that, that'll uncover what el whatever else is more important to address next. But that's where I go first. Um, and it's not to be like, uh, you know, it's not, it's not to be rude. It's just, it's just the truth. Like in times like these, you lack of performance is unacceptable. The way I operate, it's always unacceptable. And that doesn't mean the person's bad. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with anybody. It's probably your fault as the leader. And that means you need to do the work to get in front of it, which is probably just getting in front of a conversation. Um, and we usually fear that. And we fear being honest with each other because we don't have safety. Um, well, it comes back to safety all the time. But I mean, that, that's what I, I, I say to people is if, O'Brien, you said, well, this person's not performing. I said, okay, what are you complaining about? What are you doing to help them perform? Mm -hmm. If you're a peer, the best you can do is, is share um, and not come from as direct of a place, but to share um, with an open heart to, to give the gift of feedback to help them get better. Um, and as an observation, not as a fact. If your boss is that way, you can share as an observation, but not as a fact. I was just listening to this uh, TED radio hour on reinvention. And, uh, you know, this, this women's gymnastics coach, who's I think seen as like the best women's coach of all time, um, coach of the century or the decade, no, the century. Yeah. She was named coach of the century, which is crazy. Um, her team came to her and they said, we don't want you to be, we want to be supported. We don't want to be brought down. And so they shared their feedback with her and that caused her to pull back and say, what I've been doing hasn't been working. And she reinvented herself as a leader who supported her people so that they would, and her, her, her students, right? And these kids to be not just better gymnasts, but to be better people in their lives. And that changed the course of how she showed up as a leader. So it can happen. You can bring that up to your boss. Um, it just, the, the words I use are tact and grace, um, right? If, if I'm your boss, it's much easier for me to say, do this, don't do that. Um, if I'm your peer, it takes a little bit more um, back and forth. And if you're my boss, it takes even more tact and grace. Um, and you can't guarantee someone's going to listen or do anything different. All you can do is set that person up in the best position to hear you. That's, that's great. I think that's great advice worth listening to again, because it's not only about telling the person, although that is big. And, and one of the hardest things to do is deliver tough feedback that's going to make somebody feel bad or make somebody uncomfortable or tell them that they're not there that they're flawed in some way. Like it's, it's hard. We as human beings don't want to make somebody else feel bad. Can I cut you off for a second? Yeah. Two things. One is when we give feedback, we, we do hold that idea that giving the feedback means they're flawed in some way. The truth is, is there's an action that they're doing that isn't working. 
there's something that they did that didn't work in this situation, or there's something that they've done a number of times that didn't work. It doesn't mean it's a character flaw. It doesn't mean it's a fatal flaw in their life. It just means it's an action that they're doing. And all of us can change our actions because it's just what we do next. And so when we hold it that, O'Brien, oh, when you did this, this was the impact and this didn't work, how, can, how do you see it? And then how can we change and adjust as opposed to O'Brien, oh, you don't care about other people, right? Presenting it as an action versus a behavior trait is a key way, even just to think about it. That's why I interrupted you. Because if we think about it as I'm giving them the gift of feedback to help them get better, I need to actually share the actions that they did, not who I want them to be. Yeah, you have to be specific about it. And I, it's funny, I got called out for that because I gave some feedback or was trying to give feedback to a fellow leader who's actually even a little uh, above me. And I totally botched it because I gave very broad, generic feedback and we wound up having a great conversation about it. And he said, what are you trying to say? And I said, well, here's what I'm trying to say. So do you have examples? And I said, well, here's two or three examples. He said, okay, now that I can do something with. And he said, in the future, come to me with this stuff. I love this stuff, but you have to be specific. And so it was just a great uh, learning lesson for me. I was very humbled in that moment uh, and realized just you know, how much more I had to learn. But it, it was really brought to life exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It, it's when, and that's, by the way, it goes back to clarity, right? Yeah. If you're not clear in a way somebody else can understand, how can they make a change? How can they do better? Yeah. And, and the, a lot of times the reason that we're not clear with others is because we're not clear with ourselves. We're like, I know something's wrong with that conversation, right? It's like the tone that they use or something was, something didn't feel right. I need to bring it up to them, but we don't actually take the time to say, what was the action that they did, right? Actually, it was just that he was looking at his phone the whole meeting, like literally from the start of the meeting to the end of the meeting, he was looking at his phone. Now, I don't, I'm not going to judge that he was texting friends or doing some other work. He might have been looking at the meeting notes, but he was looking at his phone and that had an impact. And I, I, whenever I think about like get specific, it's imagine there was a hidden camera in the room. What would the hidden camera see or hear? Hidden camera is very objective and it pulls out your stories and doesn't care about them. Doesn't care that, you know, Chris was on his phone the whole meeting, texting friends and, you know, not caring about you and not caring about all the time and effort and energy you put into that presentation. All it sees is that Chris was looking at his phone from minute one to minute seven. That's a specific fact that you can share. Thank you. That's, that's a great clarification. I know you're a little pressed for time. Uh, do you have time for one more question? Yeah, or do sure. You have to let's go? do it. All right. Sorry to put you on the spot here, but I, I'm trying with this to ask some of the same questions to everybody. And, and this is one in particular, which is what is the purpose of business? Hmm. What is the purpose of business? It's a great question. I'm going to tweak this a little bit. Sure. Uh, when I think of the purpose of business, I also think of the purpose of work. And the purpose of work is to give you purpose, is to make sure that you can do something that's meaningful and impactful in your life. Um, we all want to, to make an impact, to make a difference. Um, it doesn't matter what the scale or the size is. 
Um, some of us want to make a bigger impact than others. Um, but, but that's what it is. And so at the root of it, why we started working and why we work in, in the way in which we do, it's because we want to make a difference. And so business is about making a difference um, in one way or another. And that's, it's an idealistic view. And it's one that I, I believe we all in life have some sort of purpose. We're just not necessarily connected with it. And so I hope we can start to connect our businesses back to why we started, which is more than just to create money. Uh, because underneath money is something else. Someone says to me, I, I, I started my business to make a lot of money. Well, once you got a lot of money, what would that give you? That would give me freedom. You created your business to, to give freedom to yourself and others? Oh, yeah. It, it's there. Uh, we just don't always connect with it. Thank you. Well, and I know you got to run. So is there anywhere... Last question is, is there anywhere that you want to point people to, to learn more about you, to learn more about your company or anything else that you want to promote? I'll put some links down in the show notes for people to connect with you, but where would you like to direct people? Yeah, they can go to our, our website, which is raisebar.co, R-A-I-S-E-B-A-R.co. Um, you can also download the first chapter of my book um, at openhonestanddirect.com or just go to Amazon um, and, and you can get a copy there too. Um, otherwise, reach out to me on the website, um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm around and love to, uh, to talk about leadership with people. Awesome, well thank you and I'll link all that below as I said. Uh, Aaron, appreciate you making the time. I know that you are really busy. A lot of, need, a lot of leaders need a lot of help right now uh, and so I'm sure that your services are in high demand, but thank you very much for being here today. Thanks O'Brien, have a great day. All right, you too. Cheers. Hey folks, one last thing before you go. If you have a friend or colleague who you think would enjoy this episode, hit that little share button and send it their way. Also, if you like the episode, make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss the next one. That's it. Thanks for coming. I'm O'Brien McMahon. Go make the most of your business and the people in it.